Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. morning. My name is Veronica and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the conference call regarding Stelco's third quarter results for 2020. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remark, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you. Mr. Harris, you may begin your conference. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Stelco's third quarter 2020 earnings conference call. Speaking on the call today will be Alan Kestenbaum, our executive chairman and chief executive officer, and Paul Scherzer, our chief financial officer. Yesterday, after the market closed, we issued a press release overviewing Stelco's financial results for the third quarter of 2020. This press release, along with the company's financial statements and management's discussion and analysis, have been posted on CDAR and on our investor relations website at investors.stelco.com. We've provided a link to the presentation referenced on today's call on our website as well. I'd like to inform everyone that comments made on today's call may contain forward-looking statements which involve assumptions which have inherent risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially from the statements made today, so do not place undue reliance upon them. Stelco Management disclaims any obligation to update forward-looking statements except as required by law. With that in mind, I would ask everyone on today's call to read the legal disclaimers on page 2 of the accompanying earnings presentation and also to refer to the risks and assumptions outlined in Stelco's public disclosures. In particular, the third quarter management's discussion and analysis sections relating to forward-looking information and risks and uncertainties, as well as our filings with securities commissions in Canada. The appendix of our presentation and the non-IFRS performance measures and review of non-IFRS measures of our MDNA provide definitions and reconciliations of the non-IFRS measures that we use today. Please also note that all dollar figures referred to in today's call will be in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. Following today's prepared remarks, Alan and Paul will be taking questions. To maximize efficiency, we'd ask that all participants who would like to ask a question limit themselves to one question and one follow-up before requeuing. With that, I'd like to now turn the call over to Alan. Thank you, Trevor, and good morning, everyone. I appreciate everyone taking the time to join us on today's call to discuss what was an eventful and successful third quarter. As we explained in previous calls, our primary goals for this year were to firstly increase penetration in the value-added higher margin and markets such as the automotive sector. Second, to cement and secure our future iron ore pellet supply. And third, to follow through with the successful completion and commissioning of our blast furnace upgrade project. While the first two of these goals were achieved earlier this year, this quarter was marked by what I am proud to say was the extremely successful completion of our blast furnace upgrade project on time and under budget. Today, Stelco is prepared for the future, and we are excited to have commissioned North America's first truly, quote, smart, close quote, blast furnace. Our leadership team consulted with top experts from around the world, 
and we have implemented, implemented cutting-edge technology in our Lake Erie Works blast furnace that will increase our steelmaking capacity by up to 300,000 net tons per year and reduce our hot-rolled steel coils cost by as much as $30 per net ton. These outstanding results further improve our industry-leading cost structure and position Stelco to deliver positive returns to our shareholders at across-the-market cycle. Of course, the fact that this was all accomplished during a global pandemic and through a brief interruption caused by the previously reported cyber attack is a testament to the commitment and dedication of our employees and our valued business partners. I would like to extend my personal thanks to our Chief Operating Officer, Sujit Sanyal, whose leadership and expert guidance was invaluable in delivering this exceptional result. Additionally, our timing could not have been more perfect. The Blast Furnace Upgrade Project took place during a cyclical low-price environment during Q3. We have completed it just in time to enjoy the current strong pricing environment that has already improved by as much as 50% over the recent lows. We are now deploying our assets to take full advantage of increasing demand in this improved pricing environment. During this quarter, we beat estimates on shipping volumes by selling out all available products once again. Our end markets are strong. For this quarter, we are again sold out and are booking orders now for Q1 delivery. In the coming months, we expect to complete work on our new pig iron caster that will enable us to further enhance our tactical flexibility and maximize our profitability by serving EAF producers and foundries who are interested in these valuable iron units as they face continued supply squeezes and price increases in the scrap market. Work is also continuing on our previously announced 65 megawatt electricity cogeneration project at Lake Erie Works that will further reduce our operating costs even further once commissioned in mid-2022. We certainly believe that the more than $670 million we have invested in this business since our acquiring the company in 2017 has returned Stelco to its place at the head of the pack in the North American steel industry. We intend to use all of the tools we now have to operate smartly and further improve upon our industry-leading cost structure and margins. Moreover, as significant shareholders ourselves, the entire executive team and the board is aligned with you, our valued shareholders, and we will now turn our focus to increasing shareholder value by increasing cash flow, maintaining our strong balance sheet, and continue with share price friendly actions as we have done historically. In addition to our strategic capital investments since we took over in mid-2017, we have not only invested over $670 million in capital back into the business, but we have also delivered over $330 million in dividends and share buybacks. That is $1 billion combined, and all at a free cash flow from operations in just three years while not accessing the capital markets for debt or equity issuances. issuances. No steel company can boast of that record, and we are very proud. Once again, thank you all for taking time to join our call today. I would now like to turn things over to our CFO, Paul Scherzer, to share some information specific to our financial results. Thanks, Alan, and good morning, everyone. When we elected to take the production outage to support our blast furnace upgrade project, we knew it would have a negative impact on our results. However, 
our timing could not have been better as we were able to complete this project during a period where we saw realized pricing erode to $683 per net ton, a decline of 2% over the previous quarter and far below prices being realized currently. Our shipping volume was actually above what we had expected, though well below normal levels at 334,000 net tons in the quarter as a result of a blast furnace outage and generated revenue of $237 million for the period. The good news, as Alan indicated, is that we are seeing significantly higher price levels in the fourth quarter and expect to take full advantage now that our blast furnace has resumed operations and we have the capability of producing up to an additional 300,000 net tons of hot metal per year. Certainly, we have also been impacted by the headwinds created by the global COVID-19 pandemic, but our ability to work in par partnership with our loyal customers and our valued business partners has resulted in us being able to sell out all of our available production every quarter to date in 2020. Despite the extended outage at our blast furnace for most of the third quarter, year to date we have shipped over 1.5 million net tons, a decline of only 15% over the previous year. Our shipments this quarter are expected to be approximately 600,000 net tons as we begin to reap the benefits of our blast furnace upgrade project. At the same time, we have continued to benefit from increased penetration into value-added markets with cold rolled and coated shipments up by 35% year-to-date over 2019 volumes. We continue to be pleased by this performance and expect that our penetration of these markets will continue to deepen in 2021, affording us additional tactical flexibility as we work to continue growing our overall margins. Certainly, the third quarter was abnormal for our business due to the blast furnace upgrade project, but the resulting benefits will serve us well through the fourth quarter and in future years. The expected increase in production capacity and reduced coil costs, combined with recovering demand and pricing in the market, should allow us to drive higher revenue, margins, and EBITDA as we enter the new year. This quarter, as we worked through this critical phase of our strategic capital plan and invested over $67 million in net capital expenditures, we did see a reduction of available cash. However, our company remains in a strong financial position with $137 million of cash on hand and available liquidity under our revolving credit facility. We anticipate that we'll be able to capitalize on positive shifts in the market and see ample opportunity to replenish our cash holdings as production, shipments, and revenue all increase in the fourth quarter. The completion of the Blast Furnace Upgrade Project marks the conclusion of the most significant portion of our capital investment strategy but we are continuing to work on other key investments, such as the new pig iron caster, which we anticipate commissioning by year-end. We understand the importance of continued investment in our facilities in order to meet the developing demands of the market and to implement cutting-edge technologies that will improve our efficiency and product quality. While our investments will be more modest in the near term, our approach will remain disciplined and focused on delivering returns for our shareholders. It is not a secret that 2020 has been a challenging year for everyone. In the face of a global pandemic that has brought with a great uncertainty, I am proud of the resilience of our business. It is clear that the work done by our team over the past three years has created a foundation for growth, and the implementation of our tactical flexibility model has allowed us to not only react, but thrive through these unprecedented market pressures. Entering the fourth quarter, I am confident our management team will continue to execute our strategy and leverage the value we have built in our operations to deliver industry-leading results and positive returns for our shareholders. Thank you to Alan and Paul. Uh, that concludes our prepared remarks for this morning. And now I would like to turn the call back over to the operator for Q&A. Operator? Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by one on your touch tone phone. 
you will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from David Gagliano with BMO. Please go ahead. All right, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking my questions and thanks for the very efficient uh, prepared remarks again this quarter. Um, so I guess I, 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 I'm gonna try and uh, drill down a little bit on the near-term expectations just to help us tighten it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, two, two, you know, one one first question with two parts. First, can you can you comment on, you know, pricing lags? Uh, obviously, we've seen a huge run up in prices, and 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 can you give us a sense as to you know what we should expect for, uh, you know, lagged prices on your side? Maybe you can frame it within the context of you know the commentary you made about 680 bucks a ton, far below prices you're realizing right now. You know, given your order books are pretty much done for the year and into January, what are the realized prices you're you're getting for the fourth quarter? Um, that's the first part, and then the second part is somewhat related. You know, can you give a sense as to the mix of that 600,000 tons of shipments in the fourth quarter? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, I'll, I'll handle that. Um, look, generally, uh, we we've been ru running at a, a bit of a shorter lead time than uh, probably other producers. Uh, just we wanted to make sure that uh, we finished our blast furnace on time, which we did. So really pleased about that. So um, the, the short answer is about two months lag. Um, but uh, we just closed our order books last week. So uh, some of that is less. So you'll see, uh, you'll see a range of prices that what, what prices might have looked back a couple of months ago uh, through, through even the present time. Um, in terms of the, um, uh, up, the uh, value-added products, um, we're expecting something in the vicinity of about 150,000 Tons. That's 25% of the expected uh, shipment tonnage in, in that area. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. And then just a, a bit of a, a you know a bigger picture question. Uh, obviously, with the reliant behind, everything's looking great in the market right now. Um, can can you comment a little bit on 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 your thoughts around capital allocation? Obviously, inorganic growth initiatives have been you know very topical in the past. And I'm just curious how that ranks relative to, say, coming back to capital returns for investors as we get into 2021. Well, um, you know, with most of the uh, capital requirements behind us, um, you know, we have, a, you know, a few left that we've uh, mentioned. Uh, but uh, we're going to, as I've said in my remarks, our, our focus now is going to be on share price appreciation and, and whatever that takes, uh, you know, could include uh, – Dividend reinstatement uh, could include uh, other capital market activities, um, but we're going to look to grow the business. You know, a big believer here in uh, being best of breed, lowest cost, and uh, anything that we might do uh, would further support that. Uh, and short of having any good ideas that would further support that, which include not diluting our cost position, um, so short of that uh, we're just going to uh, be accumulating cash and using that cash in a way that benefits shareholders. That's helpful. Thanks. I'll get back in the uh, in the queue. Thanks. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Michael Denma with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Alan. Good morning, Paul. 
Um, <clears throat> just as a follow-on to um, maybe some nearer term considerations, you talked about the lead times. Any considerations for production inefficiencies related to either the blast furnace restart or the cyber attack that we should consider for Q4? Uh, yes, and uh, that number is embedded in the number that was indicated by Paul, uh, and that's already embedded in there. Um, we expect higher shipments because of the additional 300,000 tons of um, uh, capacity that comes from this blast furnace outage as we get into Q1. So, um, you know, we've indicated a number for, the, for, for this quarter, just so, you, just so you have some idea specifically to address that uh, question. Uh, and as you can see, it's like amazing how we're able to get out of the, out of the uh, starting gate so quickly after this major uh, uh, upgrade project. So very proud about that, and and it will get better as we move into uh, as we move into uh, next year, as we realize the full uh, benefit of the additional 300,000 tons of uh, of capacity. Okay, just to elaborate on that, Alan. I mean, should we assume that the cost structure, given the volumes in Q4 and presumably the volumes in Q1, will get much better sequentially into Q1? Well, uh, we're already running now. Like now, like we're sitting here in November, so we're already running right now at that level. So uh, I wouldn't use the word sequentially. What I would say is uh, in line with the slightly lower volumes uh, for, for this quarter, yeah, it's going to get better uh, from a reporting perspective because uh, we won't have the startup, uh, 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 the startup piece of it that occurred in October. So, but we're already experiencing that right now. So, yeah, in, as you get into Q1, we should be realizing the full benefit of that um, cost structure across the entire quarter. Gotcha. Okay. And if I can squeeze one more in, um, your non-cash, non-financial networking capital declined quite a little bit this year. Um, you know, how much of that should we assume to be sustainable or, or said differently, how much do we expect working cap to be a drag on free cash flow in the upcoming quarters? Yeah, Michael, it's Paul. I'll, I'll take that one. So, so yeah, cash obviously went down a fair bit in the quarter. Uh, a result of capex and the lower shipments and lower prices. Um, I would say that you'll see our cash balance start to, to tick back up um, fairly rapidly as we go through the coming quarters. Um, I, I, you know, and, and, and you'll see us return to something approaching our normal levels. Um, you know, just given given realizations of, of the higher prices and the higher shipments. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from David Okembo with Cormac Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. I just want to drill down a little bit more on your, your cost structure here. I think when I look at the cost curve that you guys have, if you take out 30 bucks from your old chart that you have, you're closer to $400 a ton. Um, and you have a bit of smaller initiatives on the horizon, like upgrading your Coke ovens and the Cogen agreement. How much lower can that that number go, and and are we at that four hundred dollar number now? Um, so the answer the answer to your question, uh, we we expect that we're going to be able to get. Uh, we reported earlier about sixteen to eighteen million dollars savings per year from the um, cogen project. So we that that equates to about six dollars a ton, and probably another um, ten dollars a ton in that vicinity. Um, uh, on the Coke on the Coke uh, battery project, um, I just want to make sure we're getting the currencies correct. The number that you indicated 
uh, is in U.S. dollars. The savings numbers I just gave you is Canadian dollars. Just to be uh, just to be clear. So if you took the if you actually took the uh, uh, 16 that I just said, it's probably an, an aggregate of about 12 U.S. something in that vicinity. Okay, that's good. And and when I take a look at steel prices, even on on the forward curve, it, it you can lock in at pretty attractive prices. And I know you typically operate more on a spot basis, but given where, where steel prices are today, I just wanted to get your views on hedging out more of the order book. Uh, yeah, so um, we do uh, opportunistically hedge uh, when we when we like the uh, we like the prices. Um, you know, we're very mindful of uh, pricing now. Uh, I think CRU now just uh, jumped up to 710 bucks or something like that yesterday. Um, and so these are these are prices that are above the um, cyclical um, mid mid cycle prices of about six hundred dollars average going back five years. So when we when we see prices starting going over the uh, mid cycle average, we 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 think we think about hedging some of our book. We also think about selling uh, part of our book and take advantage of uh, of locking in some of that, but not all of it. I think our investors also you know one of the things they love about Stelco, what makes Stelco an incredibly unique investment is the following. We have tremendous torque to the upside to price increases. We also, of the companies that do have fixed, that don't depend on the, on the uh, very volatile scrap market, but instead have um, relatively flat costs, we also don't have pensions and we don't have OPEB sitting uh, you know, in, in perspective of a, um, of a defined uh, benefit plan. We don't have significant interest payments. Uh, you know, we don't we don't have you know, we, we we have negative net debt. So I think one of the things that's great about Stelco, it's unique about Stelco, is you get to play the the strong market, um, and you get to play the the upside that comes with that. So we're balanced. You know, we we don't go all in in any one way. We are we do try and sell forward. We do try and uh, hedge uh, opportunistically, but we also like our investors to enjoy uh, the upside. And the markets look very very strong right now. Um, you know, prices have increased rapidly. We're not that surprised uh, by that. Uh, we, we, we expected that to happen as scrap dried up and scrap prices went up. And, uh, and also a lot of the buyers, uh, uh, I think, had expectations that uh, prices might fall, but they didn't. And so there's a lot of rush to buy right now and filling up pipelines that had gone dry, supply lines rather, that had gone dry. So uh, this is all coming at, at the right time. So we try and keep a pretty balanced approach to so we can – be as much as we can to people, which is which. What I mean by that is give people the tremendous torque to upside, um, leverage the price to upside, um, with uh, the ability also of locking in at the, some of our book um, to, to 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 make sure that we lock in some of the um, the pricing um, excitement that exists right now. No, that's great. That's it for me, guys. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Seth. Rosenfeld with Exane BNP. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking our questions today. Um, I have a question with regards to the, the mix and some of your end market exposure to autos in particular. Um, can you just give us an update following the blast furnace reline uh, with regards to your efforts to have better penetration to the auto OEMs? Um, there's been some recent industry press about many of the established mills having very kind of aggressive negotiations going into 2021. Has that been an opportunity for Stelco to come in uh, and try to take some share with some of the auto OEMs? Thank you. 
Um, I think there's two developments in the market that uh, is helping uh, those efforts. One, with uh, all our capital behind us uh, and our continued push uh, to get into the auto industry, um, that's starting to pay off. Uh, these are companies, and so I'm at the uh, the OEMs uh, that are slow to change, but uh, but we've continued to to push and and make progress in that area, uh, albeit as I've said on prior calls, not as fast as we would like. We would like it to go faster, but um, there definitely uh, there definitely is we're starting to see some fruits from from the hard push. The other thing that's gone on uh, in terms of um, consolidation uh, in the industry that has occurred, uh, it's given us a bit of an opening. Uh, in terms of uh, cu some customers wanting to explore uh, new supply opportunities um, in light of the consolidation that's taking place. Great, thank you. Um, and if I can ask a second question, please, with regards to CapEx. Um, can you please just confirm the expectation for CapEx budget for Q4 and then also looking ahead to 2021? And within that, can you um, give us an update, please, on plans for the Coke oven um, modernization plans? Thank you. Yeah, Seth, it, it, it's Paul speaking. So, so on CapEx, um, we still have a little bit of the, of the blast furnace that basically has bled into Q4, so there's, there's a bit of that. We have some remaining spending on, on the pig caster in the quarter. Um, and then there, there's a little bit of just ongoing Coke oven spend, as well as normative CapEx. So, so for this quarter, CapEx probably is, is called in, in the neighborhood of $50, $55 million or thereabouts, um, depending on when we actually get going on the Coke oven project, uh, which, which could change that number somewhat. As we look forward to next year, we're going to be done effectively on the projects other than Coke oven and minor projects. So that'll be a much lower year than this year was, lower than last year was. Um, not prepared to give any sort of guidance just yet with respect to it, um, but, but the number will definitely be lower as we're starting to head into more of a maintenance and uh, small accretive project mode other than the Coke ovens. I was just going to ask if you can confirm the total CapEx cost for the Coke oven, please. No, sorry, we're still we're still finalizing engineering and timing on that, so we we're not prepared to give uh, a final or to give give the number on that yet. Thank you. Thank you very much. And and you know, well while, while we're on the uh, subject of Coke, I just want to add uh, you know another positive development that has occurred in the market that, uh, as you guys know, we we do take advantage uh, because we're low on Coke. Um, when uh, prices go up. Uh, right now, uh, the international Coke market uh, prices uh, has moved up uh, substantially. And so um, we, uh, we're, we're back in that business of selling Coke again. Uh, so that's another positive development. And, you know, it's another reason why we keep as much flexibility as possible, you know, within our, um, within our uh, system. Thank you very much. So your last question comes from David Gagliano with BMO. Please go ahead. Okay, I just had a, a, a follow-up to that last comment, and then I wanted to ask the question I was going to ask. Just on the on the Coke, Merchant Coke side, can you can you frame that out a little bit more in terms of the potential impact? It, it was at times, you know, fairly a fairly significant contributor to EBITDA. So I'm wondering if you could just give us a sense as to near-term expectations, something a little more on on the quantitative side on that one. 
And then the only other question I actually wanted to ask was just some commentary on the on the land position. Any 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 updates with regards to the land package and and intentions there? Yeah. Um, so on the on the Coke side, I mean it's a rather very recent development that's still unfolding uh, in terms of uh, what we would sell and 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 how much this very quarter right now. So it's very near term. I'm a little hesitant to um, uh, to put in, to put out a number at this point until we complete those. Uh, those discussions, but um, it, it, uh, we expect to return to, to something that would be noticeable as it had been previously um, this quarter. And we don't know how long that lasts, but uh, you know, right now it looks like uh, it, 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 it looks like it'll be something noticeable. Um, in terms of the land, um, that's continuing to progress. Uh, we're we're in the stage now, continued uh, as we were last quarter in terms of trying to get the severance approved by uh, by the city. Um, like in all these projects, there's always uh, various uh, little things that you need to go through to get that done, and we're we're still in that process. Um, every couple of weeks, we get a request for something else, and we're still seeing good cooperation from the uh, city on that. And uh, as we get through that. Uh, we should be prepared to, uh, you know, to, to make to make make further uh, make further comments on that. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks, Mr. Kestenbaum. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Okay, guys. Well, it's great talking to you again. Um, this was uh, this was a quarter that uh, was uh, uh, one that we were very well prepared for. Um, we executed well. Uh, we're not surprised by how successful it was in terms of execution of this because it was a well thought out planned project. Uh, it came in under budget uh, and uh, and in the time expected. And so now we're really ready to roll. I really have not uh, seen a business like this that has the cash flow generation I, I indicated before. You know, a billion dollars over three years uh, put back into the business and dividends. And that was with a cost structure that uh, that is uh, not as good as what we have now as a, as of this uh, outage. So we're we're really ready to roll here. We're very very excited. Um, more to come. And uh, look forward to uh, showing, showing this to you guys uh, in our performance. And uh, look forward to talk to you guys soon. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.